Good morning. Welcome to White. It was good uh, during the song service to look around and see a lot of guests with us, and we're glad that you're here with us. Uh, if you look in your bulletin that you received coming through the door, uh, there's a connection card, and we would love to have a record of you being here. You can fill that out, put that in the offering plate later. We would, uh, we would love to know uh, about you, uh, and uh, we'd love to send you a gift to let you know how much we appreciate you uh, being with us this morning. But thank you for being here. Um, we're currently going through, a, a, through Philippians, through a, the letter of Philippians. Um, we're in chapter 2, about to conclude chapter 2. Philippians is a letter that, that Paul was writing back uh, to a church that was checking in on him because he was in prison. And so uh, this guy, Epaphroditus, brought a care package to him. And now Paul is uh, writing this letter to let the church know that that he's doing okay and, and, and letting, letting them know some plans, as we will see in our text this morning. And so uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 29. Philippians is about uh, the last beginning of the last third of uh, the New Testament there. I'll give you just a moment. I still hear pages turning. says this starting with verse 19 i hope in the lord jesus to send timothy to you soon so that i too may be cheered by news of you for i have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare for they all seek their own interests not those of jesus christ but you know timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the word of God. So what we have here, uh, we have somewhat of travel plans, right? Um, the, uh, the indication in the text is this, what was, this is what was happening is that the church in, uh, in, in Philippi had sent Epaphroditus with this care pack, package to Paul and Timothy. And what they kind of wanted to happen was to have Epaphroditus kind of take over care of Paul, um, to, to kind of look after him so that Timothy could in turn return to Philippi and, and minister to them and, and do some things that they needed done uh, with their church. And so what Paul is doing here is he's taking great care to explain to them that's not how this is going to work out. 
Um, so essentially, he's saying, I'm not real sure of what's about to happen. Uh, I feel like I'm about to know, and, and soon uh, I'll be able to figure out, am I going to be executed? Am I going to be released? Am I going to stay here? I'm waiting to see, and I really, really want Timothy with me. I mean, we see the relationship in the text of, of Timothy is like a son to him. And so it makes a lot of sense that while things are kind of hanging in the air, uh, that he wants them to know, uh, he wants to have Timothy there until he gets certain news. And then he says, and then, I'm hoping that then soon I'll be able to send Timothy to you like, like you desire. So, so we have this detailed explanation of, of why that's happening, okay? And so he's trying to help them understand, this is why Epaphroditus is coming back to you. It's not because I don't want Epaphroditus and he... He spends time praising Epaphroditus. And so, well, you have here's travel plans. So it begs the question, is there anything for us here, right? Like, almost 2,000 years removed, uh, this letter of travel plans of these two guys and Paul to this church, is there anything here for us? And um, I would say that while there are travel plans, I think there's something much more that's going on here. Um uh, that, that there is something, uh, something deep going on here that Paul's kind of continuing what he's already been talking about. And what, is, what has Paul been talking about? He's been talking about having the mind of Christ. He's been talking about uh, how Christ was so obedient, obedient unto death. He, he's been talking about how uh, the church and Philippi needs to make sure that they're putting others above themselves. Now, usually travel plans come at the end of his letters. But Paul takes time here to do a, do a little travel planning right in the middle. But what does he do? He praises these two men. So I imagine um, that this is what happened. He's sitting here and he's writing this letter and he's talking about, hey, be like Christ, put others above yourselves. And maybe he looks up and he sees these two guys. And, and Timothy and Epaphroditus, and he says, these men are living that out. So let me go ahead and kind of talk about these two men, and we'll, we'll cover this travel plan. But he's also offering up these men as examples. He says of this, they are worthy of honor. These are great, amazing men that you and, and Philippi, uh, you, Philippi, and, and I, we have the opportunity to know and to be served by. And so he is praising them uh, to them. And so what I want us to talk about this morning is two honorable men. And really, I think if we break it down, there's three honorable men. We got Paul, we got Timothy, and we got Epaphroditus here. And Paul takes the first paragraph to praise Timothy, and then he brings in this praise for Epaphroditus in the second paragraph. And so I just want to look at some characteristics that we see of these two men. I want to look at three. The first is... They were available men. Every time this verse and the preceding verses mean, uh, mention sending is the reality that there were men that were willing to be sent. They were available. They said, I will do what needs to be done. Philippi, you know, whatever I need to do to go and help Paul, to help our church, I am willing to do it. They, and they were available first to Jesus. Paul starts this letter by introducing himself and Timothy as servants of Jesus. It is abundantly clear that Paul views Epaphroditus 
as this kind of man as well, as someone who was a servant of Jesus, a fellow, he calls him a fellow worker and a soldier in the, in the gospel. And these men had made themselves available because they had given themselves first to Jesus. It's an interesting study to see how often phrases uh, like in Christ or uh, in the Lord come up in Philippians. Um, I think there's, uh, I think there's 16, uh, there's a 20-something instances of those type phrases. You'll find it in every chapter of Philippians of him writing about being in Christ and in the Lord. The, the honorable actions we find here in Epaphroditus and Timothy is not just some rigorous morality or pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. Timothy and Epaphroditus do not par- primarily act because they like Paul, even though they love the man to death. They are honorable men because they belong to God who indwells them, and as we've been reading, who is working in them to work and to will for his good pleasure. They were available to Christ. Whatever needs to be done, they said, we will do it. We need men like that. Uh, Thursday, I was at the soccer field watching my kids play soccer. And, uh, and a young man from our church came up, and I knew that he didn't, he didn't have kids uh, that age. So I said, what are you doing here? And he said, the kid that I mentor, uh, if you're not familiar, our church has a mentoring program in the public school system. He said, my kid that I mentor is playing tonight. He was there, and, and he, was, he was coming. His wife was already there, so he was meeting, them, meeting her to, to watch this game. And I just thought, that's awesome. And as we were leaving at 8.15 that night, uh, I watched this man and his wife sitting there talking to this boy's family and just loving on this family and talking about the game. And, man, I, I thought, I'm here because I have to be. Because my kids would be mad if I sat home and watched TV while they're out playing soccer. I wanted to be there, yeah, but I had to be there as well. And yet this man, you know, instead of catching up on his Netflix account or just being at home, was out going really beyond what the mentoring program asked for. It asked for 45 minutes a week to go into the schools, and yet he was given his night for kids he was an, he's an available man and that should be our whole heart is to hey god whatever you want me to do mentor a kid go to a soccer game whatever i can do to advance the kingdom that's that's what i'm here for we need men like epaphroditus and timothy who had given themselves to christ and it started right with Christ giving himself for us, that God gave all to us so that we might give our lives to him. Paul talks about a generous gift given by the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians 8, 5. If you remember, we looked at this a couple months ago. And, and he said about this gift, and this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So what happens is, first we give ourselves to Jesus, and what happens then is we give ourselves to, to his church. Like, we can't, we can't just stop with Jesus. It's just a natural knowing what Christ did for the church. We, too, are like, what can I do 
for the church now that I've given myself to Christ. And so men make themselves not just available to Christ, but available to Christ's church. I find it so great that Epaphroditus is a man forever honored in the Scripture for what could be called a medial task. He was simply tasked to bring a care package, maybe a casserole, maybe some letters, we don't know, um, to bring a care package to Paul and then just care for him, just be there as a servant. We have no record of him raising someone from the dead. We have no uh, record of him like Peter preaching and thousands being converted. We don't have record of him like John receiving amazing visions to write down. Some of those things may have happened to him, with him, we don't know. But all we have is a medial task. A medial task that, that he did, and because of that, Paul calls him a fellow worker and a fellow soldier. Love that phrase. Huge praise from the apostle for what may be called a medial task. And we're, we're, he, he shows up here, and we haven't seen his name before, and we will not see his name after in scriptures. It's just this moment in Philippians where he does his thing, and we're still almost 2,000 years later reading about this man, Epaphroditus, because he did a simple thing. Because notoriety isn't always in the greatness of the action, but in the greatness of the man himself who loves God and loves others enough to do whatever task is placed before him. Yes, if, if God is, is calling you to go reach an unreached people group in India, you need to go. But if he's calling you to change a diaper in the nursery or care uh, for a crying baby in the nursery, you need to be willing to do that as well. And gladly do it. I think about the men throughout the years who I've seen up here changing light bulbs and changing air filters that no one here sees or knows about. And yet they do a minute task. And yet it is from a heart that loves God and has made himself available to give his time to the church. Men with the mind of Christ do not care what the job is, big or small, on the stage or off of it. They simply enjoy being available. We see in Epaphroditus a man whose availability to his church is, is, is brought on by a deep affection for his church. I love what, what Paul says about Epaphroditus. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. We find in Epaphroditus a heart that, man, he's concerned. He's like, they know that I'm sick. They may think I've died. I, I want to I let them know. I want to go and visit with them that things are, are okay, that I'm better. Like his heart is with the people of God. And I've seen things in the American church that concerns me because what happens on Mother's Day? Mother's Day, I think, is probably the third highest attended church day of the year next to Christmas and Easter, 
And why? Because these mothers want to have their families in church and they want to be there and, and, and with affection and, and have them all together in their church. What happens on Father's Day? It's average at best. Because most men, I just want to be left alone today. I want to go fishing. And, and there may be some things that the church could do better as far as making it a better place for men, but it is still a problem in the hearts, I think, of American men of affection for the people of God that they congregate with. Something we need to pray about. I uh, was talking to Betty Perdue uh, yesterday and, and, and Friday, and one thing she said, she said he loved, Charles loved going to church. He loved it. And, I, and, and what I thought about when she said that was that almost without fail, every Sunday when I got here, I would head to the coffee to get some coffee and then, then head to my office. And he was almost always there. And, I'm, and with this, I'm talking about towards the end, his, his last months or, or his last year here at church. And, and there was just, I guess, really one thing semen, sem, uh, in his mind solidly in his mind is that we had moved we had moved out of the parsonage we had moved out on shula road he remembered that so every sunday how you like your new house every sunday it was the same phrase he just wanted to connect with me he wanted to connect with his pastor and the flesh would say that's so sad to see a, a, a man's mind going down but a godly perspective would say, look at a man who knows, he knows he's having trouble communicating. He knows that his mind is fuzzy. And yet he wants to be here. He wanted to be here. That's courageous. That's courageous love for the church. It would have been so easy to say, I get embarrassed in talking to people, I'm just going to stay at the house from here on out and he didn't do that. He wanted to be here as long as he possibly could, and he wanted to connect and talk to people. What a great, great example that we all should have as men to, to want to be here, to courageously seek to be here. There were probably some that were held up today because it sprinkled the, the sprinkling when it was time to leave for church. So in summary, men do you honor in the church are those that make themselves available. They love Christ and offer themselves to him, and consequently they offer themselves to the service of the church for which Christ gave all. We're not called to be knots on a log. We're, we're called to be here in fellowship and love and to serve. Think about, uh, just want to make mention of a, of a place you can make yourself available, men and women alike. Uh, is our friendship family program with our international students over at SAU. We have five men, five boys, and that number may increase, but as of right now, we have five men signed up, five young men, college-age men, who just need a place to stay this Thanksgiving. And here's what we've seen as a church. When we make ourselves available to international students, when we have them into our home, what happens? People are converted. That's just a fact. That's what we've seen, is that when we make ourselves available in that way, we see them converted. We've seen it over and over again. And so I would encourage you to talk to Mark Harmon 
uh, about that um, and let him know that you're interested in hoping we there's no reason in the size of our church that we can't uh, certainly house five guys that need a place to stay for a week during Thanksgiving when the dorms are closed so uh, it's a great way to live and apply this sermon by making yourself and your family available to these guys Next, they were not only available men, they were durable men. They pushed through suffering. We know, we know that the simple task given to Epaphroditus to care for Paul got kind of complicated. He got sick. He got very sick. In fact, Paul says, indeed, he was ill near to death. Just because we make ourselves available to a task does not mean that that task will be simple. Obstacles do not mean that we are not doing what God would have us do. We have a man in Epaphroditus who headed straight into the will of God and what God wanted him to do. And what happens? He almost dies from sickness. We have in Jonah a man who was wanting to run straight away from God's will. He found a ship that at least for a little while with smooth sailing away from the will of God. So be careful in saying, just because it gets hard, that you're not where God wants you to be. Epaphroditus, he just kept on his journey. He just pushed through, doing what he was called to do, despite the sickness. We see in, in Paul that Paul was a man that didn't, didn't deal with chickens. He didn't deal with people that... that, that Signed up and then backed out. We see in John Mark, a guy who, hey, he signed up for a missionary journey. He got into the journey and for whatever reason, he said, I can't continue. And so he left. And so later on, he's going to go on another journey. And Paul and Barnabas, they divide over it because Paul says, no, John Mark, he abandoned us. I got no time. I'm sitting here bearing marks to the gospel and being tortured and in prison. I can't have a guy on here that i can't trust and barnabas being the man of grace that he was says but let's give him an opportunity and i don't think either one of them were were, were right or wrong i think they both had wisdom but we know that paul had no and we know that just to mention john mark and paul things got better and it seems like john mark became a strong man because paul uh gives him a lot of credit later we know he, he just didn't have to worry about that with Timothy and Epaphroditus. They were men that, hey, I'm, I'm half dead from this illness, but I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do what, what God's called me to do. They were durable men. They were like a Timex. They could take a licking and keep on ticking. We see, just I, to me, this great label that Paul puts on Epaphroditus. He says they were workers and soldiers for a gospel purpose. I love those master words. He says they were workers and soldiers. You know, we love hard workers, don't we? We love a man that does his job well, that, that just is an expert at what he does, and he treats you right, like he does the job well. He, he charges you a fair price. Man, if you work in a factory and you have men under you, you just you love those men that, that get it done, right? And we all we all love uh, we all tend to love and admire soldiers, men that have fought 
for our country, and, and they are due great honor. Um, you know, one of the, the flag controversy in the NFL, one of the main reasons that people, it rubs them the wrong way is there are soldiers here. There are soldiers here. And they've paid great price for our country. Don't, you know, let's honor them. We love to honor soldiers. And we should honor hard workers. We should honor uh, good soldiers. But we need to realize that there's also, there's not just businesses in, to be built. There's a kingdom to be built. And there's not just battles to fight for the country. There's battles to fight for gospel advancement. So let's make sure we also lift up and our men and honor men who are men who are also gospel soldiers and gospel workers. We need those type of men, and we need, we need those that are man, great workers at their job to be also be great workers at the gospel. And men that fight hard for the country to be those same men that fight hard for the gospel. We need those kind of men that can be described in such a masculine and beautiful way of they were workers he's a worker and he's a soldier we need a church filled with that kind of man and then we see that they were vulnerable men they were vulnerable men they allow their plans to be moldable Paul says in verse 19, I'm in the Lord, uh, I hope, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I too may be cheered by news of you. And in a, uh, in a few verses later, he says, I trust in the Lord. So what does Paul mean when he says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy? It means that he, he has, he hopes in God. He's, he's made his plans, he's making his plans but he's also realizing that those plans are contingent on God. And that, you know, we see time and time again that Paul, sometimes he seems very sure, sure of how this is going to turn out. Other times he's not so sure. And so we see men that have kind of trying to get a plan together, trying to figure out how this is all going to work out, but ultimately they are trusting in God. That's where their trust is. That we're going to plan and we're going to do the best to, to know how this is going to turn out, but in the end, whatever God does is what is going to be right and what will be good for all of us. No doubt Epaphroditus had not planned on almost dying. He surely planned for a smooth trip, but when, when he did, did not go to according to plan, what did he do? He endured. He kept on keeping on. Proverbs 16.9 describes, I think, the heart of these men that were making their plans, but at the same time, hey, we're trusting in God, we're hoping in God. And that's, it says this, the heart of the man plans his way but the Lord establishes his steps. We as, as men worthy, to be a man worthy of honor in the church, you need to be a man that, hey, I, I got plans, 
and I, and I think this is what God wants me to do, but in the end, he's going to number, uh, he's going to order my steps. He's going to establish my steps. And, and, and so we need to plan, but at the same time, allow those plans to be vulnerable to God's desires. And we see that they are men that are vulnerable in, the, in such that they are totally dependent upon Christ. When we say these men were vulnerable men, I don't mean in the sense of weaknesses. We see Paul, no respecter of persons, whether he's talking to a government official, whether he's talking to a, a, a big, wig religious person, a rich person, a poor person, it didn't matter. He just never backed down. He never bowed the knee. He's just one of the strongest men ever recorded in history. The way he could just come in front and just, just be strong and fearless. When I say vulnerable, I don't mean vulnerable in the sense that you're scared of men and that you're vulnerable towards men. I mean vulnerable in the sense that you are 100%, as these men were, absolutely dependent on Christ. That you need Christ to care for you, to support you, to protect you. You need your God to supply the strength for life. This is how they could serve with reckless abandon. Here, here's what Paul says about Timothy in verse 21, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know Timothy's proven worth, now as a, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. And so Paul says here, man, it's hard to find men that don't just care about themselves. And Timothy is a man that cares first and foremost about Christ. He's always looking out for the interest of Christ. Let me tell you something. The weakest men in the world will be those who primarily are looking after their own self-interest. Because when you're looking out for your own self-interest, the, the world that you want to build for yourself, it is a house of cards. And everyone, man, knows that he could be fired at any moment. And that, that, that job house of cards could come falling down. And so a man that's just looking out for number one is a man that's scared and he needs something from everybody. The strongest men in the world are men who first and foremost care about Christ and the interests of Christ. They care about Christ's kingdom advancing. And you know what? That is an indestructible cause to be about. That the gates of hell cannot defeat. It is indestructible. And so when we put Christ's interest above everything about ourselves, we put it in something that's sure. It's not a house of cards, but it's Fort Knox. And those are the men, like these men, who can endure life-threatening illnesses, that can endure imprisonment and 
and, and mistreatment by other Christians as we have seen in Paul. Because the self-interest was not about them. It was about their interest was in Christ. We will not be fearless men in this world until we are vulnerable in Christ and put everything and entrust everything to Him and not ourselves. So, are you available? Are you someone, first of all, that has come under Christ? Okay? God sent Jesus Christ into our world to live the life that we could not live, to die the death that we deserve, so that we, if we put our trust in Him, might have our sins forgiven and might have the righteousness of Christ given to us so that we could be men that are available to God, that are available to His church, and that's men or women. Everything I've said in this text, although it revolved around three men, you know, it, it applies to you as well, ladies. Have you made yourself available by being converted? I mean, you can't be available to Christ if you don't know Him. And how are you, how are you doing in your availability to the church? and your love and affection? Are you someone like Epaphroditus who, if you're away, you just can't get the church out of your mind. You can't get those faces and those people. You love them and you have affection for them. Is that you? That's what we should strive for and pray for, to be people that are, first of all, given over to Christ and then given over in availability to the church. Are you durable? Are you a man that when parenting gets hard or a man or a woman that when parenting gets hard, you tend to abandon it? That when church gets hard, and it's time of year it's not convenient to go? Or are you, you're doing a job at the church and, and it gets complicated with people and you just... You just want to quit. We need to take lessons from these men and realize that we need to be durable. And just because it's hard doesn't mean it's wrong. But that a lot of times the, the right thing is the thing that is, that is most difficult and can at times bring heartache. And don't be scared of little jobs that are off the stage, that are out of people's eyes. Those jobs are kingdom work, just like me standing up here before you is kingdom work. And your, your job behind the scenes and the, the way you represent Christ at your school or, or at your work and going to a, a little boy's soccer game that you mentor, and that, that's all kingdom work, not just what we you watch me do which is minor in the life of this church and are you vulnerable are you like a timothy are you like the others who yeah i do church but 
you know, I do it for me. If it's hard, I don't want to do it. I'm here to make connections with my job. You know, I can know people. I'm here for me. Are you here and your interest is in Christ and His kingdom? Men and women, let's all be men and women who are worthy of honor, who follow the example of these men who ultimately were that way because of Christ, because they had given themselves to, to Christ. Let us all be that available. I'm going to ask you to please stand as our musicians come, and I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Ask these questions of yourself. How available are you? How vulnerable are you? How durable are you? Let's pray. Dearly Father God, I thank you for great examples in Scripture. But God, help us not to miss, God, that it's always you. It's you working these things out in the lives of these men. That ultimately we need to Yes, honor these men, but also look past them to, to you, God, that you are the God that wills and works in us. God, to put the desires in our heart to do what you've called us to do, to give us the energy to do what you've called us to do. God, move in us, move in us. We need you to work and to will. God, in our hearts, for your good pleasure. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.